I was listening to a podcast recently, and the podcast host and their guest were talking about having a child in heaven and having children here on earth. And I thought to myself, you know, that would be a very important topic to talk about on the podcast. They mentioned it kind of in passing, but I do have a friend who has had that experience and she's written a book about it and she also uh, has a Facebook group and helps others who have gone through or are going through similar loss. And so I've invited my friend Sarah Burton to come on the podcast today with a heart to being helpful to someone listening. And let me introduce Sarah to you. She is a seasoned health and fitness professional. She is recognized for her laser-focused coaching. She has authored two books, Sarah loves to present in an engaging and inspiring way. She coaches fitness on a regular basis. And as I mentioned, she has also launched a Facebook group called Mothers with Children in Heaven and on Earth. As a wife and mother of three beautiful athletic girls, Sarah has learned how to balance her personal wellness while leading a very hectic, and I can attest to that. And I will also let you know a little bit about some of the resources that she offers. She offers loss and life coaching. Uh, the Facebook group is for those who have questions about how the pain of child and pregnancy loss can have invisible but lasting effects for families. What to do when loss gets heavy and you run out of health, mind, body, or spiritual health. How to sort through all the shoulds of expectations, emotions, relationships, hopes, and fears in order to live well again. So thank you so much for joining us on the Canada Homeschools podcast today. We hope that you will find this helpful. And if it doesn't apply to you, perhaps you have a friend who might uh, benefit from having a listen as well. Welcome to Canada Homeschools, the dose of inspiration and encouragement for Canadian homeschoolers. Canada Homeschools features interviews with homeschool group organizers, resource suppliers, and conversations with everyday homeschoolers just like you, all from a Canadian perspective. I'm your host, Rowan Atkinson. I'd like to thank you for joining me. Now let's get started. <laughs> In 400 meters. Welcome, Sarah. Is there anything you'd like to add to that introduction? Tell us about your family. Well, I have a very busy family life and it suddenly has changed after being home for many months all together, all five of us. I have three girls and my husband and I have a dog, two cats and two birds. So it just adds to the zoo. 
But the two eldest girls have just headed off to the U.S. to co continue on their studies. They are playing softball in Pennsylvania, two different schools down there. So things have been always changing because uh, they're coming, they're going, and you never know which way is up. But I still also have a grade seven in the family and also a grade seven teacher. So Chris, my husband, teaches grade seven. So during our lockdown period, we had grade seven upstairs in the bedroom and grade seven being taught downstairs in the office. So it's been kind of a an interesting time, we'll say. Well, COVID has made homeschoolers of us all, hasn't it? Absolutely, it has. Now, you know why I brought you on. You and your husband experienced a difficult time with your first child, Casey. Would you share the story with us? I know it's a difficult subject, but in sharing it, I know you'll agree with me that there may be someone listening who can relate and that it might help someone. Absolutely. And, you know, this is a topic that's quite tricky. Um, I, over the years, I've learned that when you have a pregnancy loss or uh, kind of a unique loss, it's called a disenfranchised grief. And that's like a really technical term, but it just basically means it's extra difficult for people to talk about it. And in our situation, we had gotten pregnant uh, kind of early on in our marriage. I, well, it's not that early, but five years into, the pre uh, into our marriage, and we were super excited. The family was super excited. We had been living in Japan. We got pregnant and decided to come home. And uh, so we were teaching English in Japan. And then um, as we come home, we were trying to establish our life. And I lived, we lived with my sister for a little bit and then moved into a basement apartment just to, you know, start our lives. And we we're very excited about it, went full term in the pregnancy. And uh, very tragically, uh, there was a court accident um, and Casey did not make it. And so she had passed away. And then I went into labor and obviously we did not know because it was only a couple of days. Um and uh, it's just kind of all how it unraveled. And so this was uh, quite a while ago in terms of our life because this is 1998. And so even though uh, it was many years ago, it still is a topic because she's still part of our family and influences uh, what happens in the family uh, and it's, again, it's not on, you know, a visible exterior. It's definitely something that has a hidden uh, impact. And if we sit down and we say, well, why did we do this, this, and this? There's a lot of things that we say, well, it's because of the influence in having um, had Casey, um, giving birth to her, then processing everything through that, and then even continuing to decide okay, we're going to have the next baby and uh, understanding that there's a lot of risk in that and you know what it's like to have a, um, a loss and you have to be willing to risk that again, uh, only for the fact that you know that that could happen. Maybe before we did not know that in the same way. So that's kind of a, you know, really quick snapshot version of the story. Um, and, you know, it's, it's definitely left scars over the years for sure. Thank you for sharing that. And I think that I feel that your loss 
all losses are equally devastating, um, but to come so close to the delivery and everything was fine, that that would definitely rock your world. But I don't, as you said, it's a disenfranchised loss because we don't talk very much about these things. And um, I know my husband's mother lost many, many babies before she could have my husband. And, um, but it was just something that people didn't talk about. And I remember when we got pregnant with our first, I told people right away and people said to me, you shouldn't be telling anyone in the first trimester because you, you know, if something goes wrong, you know, you shouldn't be telling people just in case. And I remember saying to people being the very opinionated person, especially that I was back then. And you know that because I, we were friends, but I remember saying to people, um, well, if I go through a loss like that, I, I want to get a sympathy card. I want my friends to put their arms around me and cry with me. I don't want the response to the news to be, oh, well, I didn't even know you were pregnant, you know, because that's what all that kind of secrecy uh, does. And it's like a taboo subject, but it shouldn't be. I think women should have time off work and they should have people gathering around and caring for them. And, and it shouldn't be a disenfranchised situation. Definitely. And one of the things that as soon as you pee on that stick, your life changes and, you know, your whole mindset gets changed instantly. And everything that you do, everything that you think through is suddenly in light of the fact that you are going to have a baby. And so if you are a private person, maybe it's not for you to share your pregnancy it knowing that if something were to happen, you don't want everyone to know, but you know, everybody is different, but for you, for me, yeah, I had the same opinion as you is that I did not necessarily want to have to go through that by myself. And even when we were in the labor room, I wanted people around me. Thank you very much. Do not leave me alone because that would have been worse for me. And I did not want that to happen. And I think that that was a lot of the shock after the fact is that I was left alone and um, not, you know, not fully, but it's very difficult for people to say, how are you knowing that it could be met with like tears to, you know, and some explosion of emotion where they didn't want me to feel uncomfortable, even, you know, so it's awkward all the way around. But the reality is, is that loss hurts. And if we don't talk about it, it's not making it better. And maybe it's not the right time. Okay, that's, that's acceptable. There's a lot of things that are acceptable with kind of not bringing something up. But if you are that person's friend, then you, you can be brave and you can hold their hand and you can ask and take some, some steps to help. Um, it, it, you never know and you don't know what comfort you could bring to someone and uh, so it's it's very uh, it's a tricky situation but we all have to kind of be brave with it and sometimes if you don't know what to say it's okay 
to not say anything and just let your own tears fall down your cheeks and just have that ministry of your very presence. That probably means more than anything that you could say. You know, we're used to like band-aids and doctors that can just make things better. But we also know that that's not always like the best fix. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk about mental health now where there wasn't before. And, you know, people say it's okay to not be okay. Yeah, it's true. And so what are you going to do about that? And, you know, you don't understand if it's not your loss. Like, that's just reality. You don't have to understand, but you can respect it in the in that meaning of understanding. You can respect the fact that someone else is feeling that pain. And by you, you know, showing your feelings, because there's a there's a connection there that you know that person, that person's in pain. So maybe you feel a little pain as well. And uh and it doesn't it doesn't mean that you can compare and doesn't mean that anything you could just walk with that person. That that's way more meaningful than for you to say, oh, here's all the answers. Here's everything, here's the 10 steps that you can do. That's not helpful. <laughs> And I can think of something even worse, which is to um, to imply that you must have done something wrong. I'm sure that there have been people who have just said very uncaring and unthinking things like that to people in that situation. You shouldn't have lifted that heavy thing. You shouldn't have whatever. It's not that simple. Absolutely. And you're... You know, because I think there's an inherent guilt as a mother that we're already thinking that. And for then someone to say it, it externalizes what's already going on the inside. And, you know, I, I remember thinking very much um, like sort of in the hospital recovering. And I was like, oh, I should have, I should have, I should have. And my husband was just like, this is not your fault. And I had to make a conscious decision to let it not be my fault at that in my own mind. And, you know, you don't, you don't know why things happen. I don't know why things happen. And for us to say, oh, well, this is because of X, Y, and Z, you're not God. Like, just shut your mouth. Like, I, you know, there's nothing that you can say in that frame that, that really helps. But it also doesn't hurt to say, are you feeling guilty? Uh, because it's not your fault, right? Those are, those are things that, you know, could be okay. Like you could ask that question without it, um, with it being helpful to say, if you're feeling this, you know, I can understand how you're feeling that, but also at the same point, you should understand that this is not something that we're, we're, we're in control of. Yes. And, and it's okay to ask the question because you don't know what narrative this, this can be for anything. You don't know what narrative is going on in someone's head. And if you don't know, you can't speak truth into it. Especially if a person is more of an internal processor, you just don't know what, what's going on in there sometimes unless you ask. So I'm glad you brought that up that it's okay to lovingly without implying anything to ask. You know, if you, if anyone studies anything about grief, 
you know, there's, you know, five stages of grief and whatever else, and they don't come in order. And, but reality is, is that we all experience all of it. Otherwise they wouldn't have put labels on it. And so, and, and it's important to understand that if we are going to talk about guilt, when the person is not feeling guilty, it's not the right time. If we're going to talk about denial, when the person's actually not in denial, it's not the right time. And so, you know, we can be sensitive. And that's where when we're walking with the person, we can see, oh, they're, they're here. They need a hug right now. Oh, they need me to uh, do their dishes or they need me to encourage them. Or maybe they need, uh, you know, a little bit of a you can do it or get out of bed or whatever it is. Those things you can only tell if you're in relationship properly with that person. Yes. Yes, I agree. So you've written a book about this experience. And what I think is so unique about the book is that it gives the perspectives of many of the people surrounding you and your loss, because they were going through it too. I mean, obviously, you and Chris were going through it the most, but um, they were all going through it too. And so can you talk about that? Why did you write this book? And can you tell us more about it? Absolutely. Um, I started journaling in the beginning days, just because I could not handle what was going on in my head. And I always understood that if I was going through a hard time, if I just wrote it down, it would then be on paper and I could maybe put it to rest slightly. Um, and I also didn't really want to waste the pain or waste the remembrance of the pain. And I didn't really know what that meant. But today I can tell you, I don't feel the sharp pain the same way that I had. And But the words on the page are very sharp. And if it's difficult for anyone to read this book that I wrote. But if you are going through it, you will know that I understand. And that was kind of one of the things I'm like, if I'm ever going to make it through, then um, I want other people to understand that, you know, hey, I made it to this level or this point of my life. And uh, so there's lots of reasons that I started it. Um, and with any kind of project, sometimes you end up where you didn't expect. And it kind of was early on when I asked people around, I said, if you would like to add your thoughts, um, give it to me and I'll see what happens. And it was not with a full amount of strategy that I asked this, but what I received was such a bonus that I certainly would never have known at all, all of these things that people felt or thought. And it was very cathartic for me personally to write, but even more comforting to see the responses of my friends and family and how they actually were with me, but I didn't know. And they were with me, but maybe they couldn't tell me. And it was very, um, it was very beautiful in the end of the day to, um, to see it. And even though the story is like one continuous story, as you read, you can see the different voices and the perspectives as how this person was feeling at this particular point in the event of, of our lives. And that book was written in our first, during the first year. So it was over a significant period of time. 
And a lot of the um, additions that were uh, from these people kind of came towards the end. And so by the time I put it all together, I, I really felt blessed by doing that. It was just a major uh, bonus for me and things that they would not have been able to verbalize to me. Um, they just never would do it that they were able to. And so it made a huge, huge difference. And I think that it would help um, anybody who maybe isn't personally involved with the loss of their friend, for example, to see how, you know, it's okay. This person's friend also felt the hurt. And so seeing it was about 10 people initially. And then um, I recently added like a 20 year update to the end of this book and uh, was able to add a couple of comments from my current friends or uh, even my daughter Cassidy. So that was, um, that was really special to be able to even add just a a little of what her perspective was uh, to that. So it's uh, it was certainly a, a great thing to do. And that leads me perfectly into the next question. One of the themes that we've been talking about really that we haven't spelled out, but it's having a baby in heaven and babies here on earth. How can a loss of that nature affect our family here on earth? And what advice would you give someone while fully acknowledging, of course, that every family situation is different? It uh, affects everything. And, you know, there's fear involved. There's worry. Um, When we have other children, how we raise them, Maybe if we could raise them because we're fearful um, or maybe we become controlling and um, in a negative way, you know, sometimes we just, we can't control this other thing. And so we're going to over control something else. And, and so that can be a negative impact. Um, and there is also positive impacts because all of a sudden you're like paying attention that, oh, that kid, my kid was really cute at this point when I might've been too busy otherwise, because I didn't recognize that life has that um, value and that there's no guarantee. So there's so many pieces that have that impact. And so as parents of mother of children in heaven and on earth, there definitely is that processing that says, okay, uh, is this me? Is this what I'm doing for this child? good for the child? Am I putting them in bubble wrap for their benefit or for my benefit? And those are uh, you know, challenging for anybody uh, in general. But when you've had that loss, it definitely for me was a conscious decision to say, you know what, they can have rollerblades, it will be okay. <laughs> and, uh, and sometimes you're like, uh, no, you're not doing that. <laughs> just because we're sensitive on that area and it's okay. You know, you have, everybody has to kind of look at their situation and just make the choice. But I think if we don't do it with conscious um, consciousness of, well, actually I'm doing this because I experienced this other loss and it's not fair to this living child. That's, that's pretty tricky, but we have to process it. Thank you. And you mentioned that Cassidy has added to the revised version of the book. Can you share a little bit from her perspective? You know, um, it's not something that she said a lot about. 
Um, and I think it was very difficult for her to read this book, as you can imagine, because, you know, she could really see her parents' pain. But I think in the same point, is she probably made a connection with the fact that this is why we were so excited for everything that she did <laughs> and that we cared so much. And so I, I know that it was, um, you know, I was kind of like, you can, you can read this, you can, this is important, but there's only so much you can do for anyone. And so uh, she at least was able to articulate a, a few things. And uh, I think that there were, there were some things that her eyes were open to that she wouldn't have otherwise known because it's not a topic of conversation in everyday life that, oh yeah, there was another kid, but it was, you know, it's not that it's hidden. It's just not an everyday, um, you can't, you can't talk about the person 20 years later, every single day. It just, that doesn't make sense. Right? We have to, we do have to go play softball. We do have to wash the car. We do have to do those other things. Thank you. So Sarah, you've recently started coaching people who have found themselves in this situation of loss. Can you tell us about that and how you can offer some help and some hope? Well, I definitely have a few different resources for people. And one of the things that I just wanted to be able to share with people is um, how the loss and processing the loss is just a normal it's a normal thing that we have to do and we don't get to choose if we lose someone we care about we still have feelings that we have to you know feel and we anytime we're going to push them away that's not to our benefit um and how you process it is definitely um individual and so just by me sharing the story i think that that's that's an important piece. And so people can read the book that we wrote. Um, and I also wanted to kind of show people that um, there are things that will be helpful, just as I explained there, that pushing your emotions away is not necessarily your best option. And so I wanted to kind of create some resources that would help people take the next step. And so um I do that in our co in my coaching programs, um, but also just even the fact that you know that here I am, I have three more children, and here they are being successful in their own right, failing in their own right, whatever they're doing. And so at the beginning of a loss, sometimes you think that's never going to even be possible. And sometimes just hearing one other person's story is just enough encouragement just to make it through one more day and the next day. And so I definitely um, am available, but I do think the first thing is like read um, my book, if that's going to be helpful for you. We also uh, started a Facebook group. It's called Mothers with Children in Heaven and on Earth. And uh, that's uh, the purpose of that is really to be able to share some of these um you know, tidbits with each other, but also really encourage each other. And, you know, it's not a grieving site. It's not, uh, so there's a lot of grieving sites out there that just want to talk about their own personal loss. That's not the purpose of this. And uh, it's just to offer some, some just ideas to say, you know what, maybe today might be the day 
that I need to just shut everything down and go for a long walk. And it's, it's those kinds of helpful things that, that just acknowledge, be where you're at, um, be well, and be yourself because you're an individual. And um, so there's lots, there's lots that are kind of in the mix, but um, that is, that's what I'm up to with this, this topic. This question was not in the notes, but um, it's something that I've heard from mothers who have been through similar losses. And some, sometimes people can be angry with God um, because something like that happened to them. Is that something that you were challenged by or how can you speak to that? Oh, I was just angry at everybody. <laughs> but um, anger, again, is a normal a normal thing and you know reality is that god can handle he can handle your feelings so if you're angry at god you should tell him he can handle it and but what you know if you're angry at your spouse and you never get to the point of unpacking that that's worse and um you know it it's a very um yeah, it's not easy to be anger, anger, angry all the time, but you're, um, it comes from hurt it's, and your expectations have been changed, but maybe your expectations were wrong in the first place. And so we have to kind of figure out why we're angry. What's at the bottom of that? And um, I don't know why we lost Casey. And I don't think I ever going to know. And if I'm angry at that, well, that's really not my business, is it? It's you think it's your business, but you're a mother, but that doesn't mean you're God. It just means that that's where you are. And um, it's not an easy thing to figure out. Um, but you, at some point you have to say, okay, I am angry because I am hurt. And the reason that I'm hurt is for ABCDE and you know, it could go all the way to Z, that's okay, but I'm going to work through it. And at some point, um, you know, we have to come face to face and go, okay, actually, God, you're God, and I'm not. So not that yes. easy, but it's yeah. necessary. And holding on to anger can lead to resentment and bitterness, and then it can rob you of any joy that you still ha- could have in this life. Yeah. So has it been helpful for you to have the understanding that you will see Casey again and that all of your questions will be answered someday? Absolutely. I think that that makes all the difference in the world. When you are feeling that hurt, you, you can say, but, and if there's no, but I can see her again, but there will be answers. I don't have answers now. You know, knowing that this life is temporary, knowing that the grass withers and the flowers fall, but God is eternal and he is, he he either cares for us or not. So you have to figure that out for yourself. And I can't tell you uh, and convince you, uh, you have to figure it out. And where you go to look for that is important. And we, you know, have the resource of the Bible, but 
again, you have to understand how it all fits together. And I think it's also super important to talk to people that may have experience in the area and maybe have kind of learned a few things along the way. And, you know, you, you want to follow a person that you can see. So if it's not me, great, go find someone that you can follow. Like, absolutely. Um, and uh, that will help you really achieve a different life than if you just try to go it alone. Thank you. How can someone reach out to you if they need someone to talk to who has been there? So I have a website, sarahburton.com, and uh, my contact information is there. But I would definitely like to offer a little extra for some of um, your listeners that want to take advantage of it. And if they go to sarahburton.com slash Casey, I have added some extra bonus um, resources there. So uh, again, they can get my phone number and email uh, address there. But uh, my father and myself were able to record about three conversations about the new release of the book. And I think that they would really enjoy that also. So, and I will spell it well, you can add it to the resources, but it's Sarah Burton, S-A-R-A-B-U-R-T-O-N.com. And Casey is spelled K-A-C-I-E. Okay. SarahBurton.com slash Casey. Thank you. I was going to point out that it's Sarah, not with an H as well, but now I don't have to. So we will have a link to the book itself and also to Sarah's website and those bonus resources on the show notes for this episode. Sarah, I just want to thank you so much for sharing your story. It is my heartfelt hope that it will speak to someone in a in a very helpful way. And thank you so much for being so authentic and willing to put yourself out there. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It's always a pleasure talking with you, Ellen. Thank you so much for listening. You can find helpful links and show notes for this episode at our website, canadahomeschools.com. Please share this podcast with your friends and leave a rating and positive review on your podcast provider. This will help others find their dose of inspiration and encouragement. Happy homeschooling, Canada! Hee <laughs> hee!